Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. You, you, you know what's better today, even being in the house of the Lord, being in the presence of God. Isn't that awesome? Amen. You can, it's palpable as they say. Do you, isn't it awesome to be saturated in such a presence? You know, a lot of people can go a lot of places, but it's, it's different when you're in the presence of the Almighty. Amen. Do you, do you know that that's therapeutic to you, that that's, that's strength to you, that's help to you? to be in the presence of God, and I'm just so glad to be in it. Amen. It's awesome to be here with the family of faith. So much to do as we're kind of getting into the last uh, the few days of the year 2021. Can you believe it? We're going to be 2022. Uh, maybe in about, what, 30, 40 days or so, we'll be uh, in a brand new year. How, how many believe that God has been faithful this year? Raise your hand if you say, when I left 2020, I said, Lord, help me in 2021. Was anybody helped in 2021? Anybody would say, a preacher, 2021 was a great year in the Lord. God was awesome. All right, so check it out. So Wednesday night, Wednesday night, we are having our Thanksgiving service uh, this Wednesday night. And we're going to have information up on our Facebook page. So we're inviting everybody to come out. We're going to have a little time of fellowship. Uh, there'll be some, some, just some desserts to eat and just fellowship. But we're also going to be sharing testimonies. How many know today that we overcome the enemy two ways? We overcome him by the blood of the Lamb, and what does it say? And by the word of our testimony. Do you know that when you share your testimony, other people are encouraged and they draw strength from that? And sometimes what you've been through is what somebody's going into and to hear that God took them through it gives them all the more courage to stand in faith and to walk it out. Amen. So we're going to be celebrating on Wednesday night. Everybody come out. We're going to have a wonderful time in the Lord. And we'll be posting more information about that. And, of course, we're going to be meeting at the, at the Fairmont, the, the Marriott there, that, where we meet on Wednesday night. It's going to be a really nice time. So I know that some of you already have been starting your, your, your uh cooking regimen already starts on Wednesday night as you're getting ready for Thursday, but can I encourage you to just put the oven on uh, on 275? <laughs> I don't know what you're cooking. <laughs> I don't know what's on the pots and pans or what's what, what's all the things going on, but can I encourage you to turn the stove off? Just just leave everything at home. Come out and be with the family of faith. We're going to encourage each other. The Lord's going to be awesome. Every year we have our Thanksgiving service a wonderful testimonial service, a time of fellowship. Come out and join us Wednesday night. Bring the family. Do you know it's important for your family to hear testimonies, your children to hear testimonies? So important that we all collectively come together in our Thanksgiving service. Let's do this today. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to get into the reading of the word of the Lord. Amen. There's some things I want to read uh, to you today that I believe are going to be instructive. Today is uh, the last message in the series, Thy Will Be Done. And, and I know that the Lord has already been talking to me about some things I'm, I'm going to need to do as we move into uh, the, the, uh, the holiday season and some things that he's already talking to me about. So uh, we'll start next Sunday with, with something fresh, something brand new. But we're finishing uh, this particular passage. And so if you're in 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, I'm going to read to the end of this particular passage. So we'll start at verse 13. I'll th take it all the way through verse 21 in a message I've entitled, It's Personal. It's Personal. So I, I want you to hear this today, church, that the message that I'm going to be sharing with you today is a message that is personal. So I, I want you to 
to, to just for a moment say to yourself that God drew me into this sanctuary today because he wants to say something specific to me. So I don't want you to come in thinking, oh, I wish, you know, I wish my auntie was here and she, she would really appreciate this message. I want you to say to yourself today, God is going to say something instructive to me because this message is intended to be personal. It's intended to be personal. And so I want to finish out this, this series, Thy Will Be Done, with this last message entitled, It's Personal. First Kings chapter 19, I'll begin to read in a verse again, verse 13 through verse 21. I am reading from the King James Version of, of the Bible, and it begins like this. And it was so, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, throw down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with a sword, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said unto him, Go and return on the way to the wilderness of Damascus. In other words, go back from where you came. And when thou comest, anoint Heziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shall that anoint to be king over Israel. And Elijah, the son of Shaphat, of Abimelech, shall that thy anoint to be prophet in thy room. Because how many know God had a special portion for Elijah? And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Haziel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elijah slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. So he departed thence and found Elijah, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen before him, and he with the, with the twelve. And Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me, I pray thee, kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow thee. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to thee? He returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people and they did eat. Then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. And we know how wonderful the life of Elijah is. Wow. Let's stop and pray. Will you, will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come into your house, to be in your presence. And Father, over a very busy week and a very busy time, uh, we have come to be attentive to the voice of God. Holy Spirit, we give way today. Holy Spirit, have your way in us. Speak to us. Uh, let your words fall on my heart today. Let it fall fresh. Let it fall anew. Let it be exactly what you've intended it to be. 
stir me into new motions, into new purposes. Stir me back into the heart of God, into the purposes of God. Stir me back into that will of God so necessary in my life at this hour. Help us, Holy Spirit, as we move forward because we can't attain to these things unless you help us. Strengthen us, keep us as we go forward in the word of the Lord. Help us as we go forward. We need your help, Holy Spirit. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Listen, I want you to go find somebody. And when you go find somebody, just give them a hug and tell them it's personal. It's personal. Josh, it's good to see you, my man. Praise the Lord. I just saw you here as I was uh, going through the scriptures. It's so nice to see Josh. Mr. Dorcas, it's good to see you. I know you've been uh, giving aid to Tabitha and so forth. so good to see so many people in the house of the Lord. Blessings, blessings, blessings to everybody in the house of God. Amen. It's such a joy to see the family of faith. Amen. How awesome it is to be here with you. Amen. Jonathan, Jolene, it's good, always good to see you guys. Amen. I've been attending uh, the series, Thy Will Be Done. Blessings to everybody that's watching by stream today. I pray that as you hear the word of the Lord, as you attend to the word of the Lord, those that are watching by stream, that you'll put aside all the things that could interrupt your concentration at home. I hope, hope that you've got your Bible and you're seated and prepared to hear the word of the Lord today. So let's just be ready. Those that are watching by stream, amen. We've got a lot to do today, amen. We're going to get into the word of the Lord, amen. God is awesome. And it's just so nice to be in the house of the Lord. Amen with you today. This last message, amen, in this series, Thy Will Be Done. Thy Will Be Done. God is awesome. God is awesome. Will you look at your neighbor and say, God is awesome. Woo! My God is awesome. L let me give you a verse that I believe best encapsulates all that God is doing in your life. Pray with me. Help me today as I help you understand what God is doing. Check this out. Romans 8, 29. For those he foreknew, he did also predestinate. The Bible says to be conformed Unto the image of his son, that they might be the firstborn among many brethren. Did you know today that God is purposing to conform you, form you, shape you into the image of Christ? Did you know that? Did you know today that the work of God, the totality of the sum of the work of God in your life is to make you like Jesus? Would you look at your neighbor and say, God's trying to make Jesus? Fathom that for a moment. That even in the book of Philippians, you, you know Philippians 1.6, and being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you shall be faithful to perform it until the coming of Jesus Christ. God is bent on, purposed on, desiring to conform you into the image of Jesus Christ. That is marvelous news. Think about how far you've got to go. <laughs> 
think about the work of God in you and how far you've got to go to get to that place where God is finished in you. I pray today that you yield yourself to the work of the Spirit of God who is bringing you into the image of Christ that Jesus might be seen in this hour and in this day. Do you know that the world needs to see God and that the world is going to see God through you? Will you say that to yourself? The world is going to see God in me. You are truly the ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Do you know that this work is not, an, 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 not a new work, but an old work? In fact, how many know the prophet Jeremiah? The Bible says, and the word of the Lord came to the prophet Jeremiah and said this, go down to the potter's house. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Y'all know this story, right? Jeremiah 18. That the prophet Jeremiah said, I went down to the potter's house. And he says that when he went down to the potter's house, he saw that the potter had some, had some clay on the wheel. And as the wheel began to turn, he noticed that the clay that he was shaping became marred. Something in the clay had a defect. And under the pressure in the hands of the potter, uh, that, that, that clay object, that vessel that he was trying to shape became disfigured. And so he had to start again. Let me say that one more time. That as, as the potter was working through the clay, that there was a condition within the clay, a defect, something, a hard spot, that caused the vessel that he was shaping to become marred, so he had to start again. And it was there that the prophet said, that he heard the Lord say, O house of Israel, Cannot I do with you as this potter does? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. Did you catch that? We, we, we get the intimation of that verse. Uh, Paul gives that to the church again when he says this, uh, Nay, but, O oh man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why hast thou made me thus? Hath not the potter power over the clay? That over the same lump to make a vessel, one to honor and to another to dishonor. That God has power over the clay. Do, do you know that God is shaping you? Do, do you know that God is shaping you despite your defects? <laughs> How many know you've got lots of defects and things and situations and, and trials and troubles in your life and there's things going on in your mind and places where you become indifferent with God? And how many know that when you get a hard place, that when God begins to apply the force of his hand on that hard place, you will become deformed? Let me say that one more time to somebody. You know, you've got some hard places. Life, that you've refused to let the Spirit of God, the water of God, saturate your life. So much so that when the potter begins to put his hands on you, that you can be pliable and useful and moldable. But you know, we get hard and indifferent towards God. And when he begins to apply his hand, we become deformed. Or could I say confused with God? 
See, it's in the deformity of God and the shaping of men that men begin to have a hard place with God and indifference with the Lord. And I think there's a lot of us today that sometimes when we begin to think about how God is shaping us and the things that we've been through, we become very confused about what God is doing. Could I suggest to you your confusion is your deformity? Could I suggest to you that your confusion is nothing more than the hard place in your life? And that God is going to work it through. You see, God has all the time in the world. And he's going to keep shaping you and forming you and helping you. It is amazing to see so many people in the church so confused about what God is doing. First of all, God is trying to shape you into an image that is indescribable. Do you know how grand it is that God is going to take you and make you the image of his son? How glorious that is. I mean, I know you've got an image you're trying to project and you're trying to be all uppity and all that and everything and intelligent. But God isn't concerned about that. He wants to make you like his son. Do I got a witness? Will you look at your neighbor and say, God is trying to make you look like Jesus. He's not trying to make you look pretty. He's trying to make you look like Jesus. And in that process, I just want you to see how difficult that truly is to make a man or a woman into the image of Christ. And I want you to see that there's so much going on inside of us. There's so many hard places. And it's places where we have created a place where when the potter begins to apply pressure, we fold under that pressure. We become deformed under that pressure. The enemy apprehends that by causing you to be, to be concerned about what God is doing. You start to say to yourself, well, why isn't God picking on that guy over there? Why does it always seem like I'm always going through stuff? Let me explain to you why you are going through what you're going through. Are you ready? I'm going to give you some, some really deep spiritual insight. Are you ready for it? I, I want to give you something so profound, something so deep. And so you've been asking, well, God, why am I going through all of this? I'm going to tell you what it is. It's personal. You're going through what you're going through because God is not in the cookie cutter business. He's trying to shape you into the image of Christ, but we're all getting there by different means. The truth of the matter is you're a trip. Look at your name and say, man, you be tripping all the time. You ain't nothing but a trip. Do, do you know how complicated you are? I, I know you present this real amicable personality and you come to church, hallelujah and glory to God, but you're very complicated. And you've got places and things in your life and, and stubbornness and you don't want to listen and there's things going on in your life and the Spirit of God has been trying to talk to you, but you resist it. So God said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to apply a little bit of pressure. He's going to apply some pressure to your life. Because you know what? When we get under pressure, we get to see who we really are. Yeah, I'm talking about somebody. Now it's getting personal, right? That's getting personal. It's getting personal because, because we're talking about that pressure, you know, because, oh, when you're here at church, are you smiling, oh, glory to God and all that? But wait till pressure comes. 
pressure when you're under pressure is who you really are. Let me get to see what your temperament truly is. Uh, trials of themselves are the ways that God applies pressure to see if you've really produced the faith that you should have had produced while you're sitting in that comfy little chair you're sitting in. You see, church is a nice place. This is a spiritual greenhouse. We all get to say hallelujah and amen all at the right times. But the question is, on Friday night, can you say hallelujah? On Thursday afternoon, when all hell is busting loose, are you able to declare that God is God, Lord of lords, King of kings? So essential that you understand that your deformity is personal. And the reason why God is working in you the way he's working in you and the difference you see in me is because we got our own set of problems. Each one individually. E even when we peer into the life of Elijah, Elijah got some problems. He he's got an image problem with God. And all of us are dealing with our own set of circumstances with God. It's so essential that you see that. The confusion, the confusion we have is a confusion that we have within ourselves. That that deformity in us, that hard place in us, that God is having to crush something all over again to reshape it is a place where we can become confused with God. Brothers and sisters, I'm helping you because this matter is very personal. God has sent me to tell you that it's personal between you and him. And you need to quit looking about what everybody has got. You need to concentrate on yourself because God is dealing with you personally. There's some things going on in your world right now. You can't make sense of it. And that's because we can't make sense of you. Nor can God. But God's going to shape you. And God is going to continue to shape you. And you can be confident in this very thing that before Jesus comes back, he's going to finish shaping you. And brother and sister, I'm here to tell you, there's a lot of shaping going on in this church there's a lot of people being tested. There's a lot of people being shaped. And I'm here to tell you, you're going to need the Holy Spirit and, and the fluidity, the water, the oil of that Spirit of God to saturate your life. Because it's that oil, it's that water that helps the hand of God just, just, just smooth right past us. He's able to maneuver us and shape us. If the Spirit of God is in us, God can shape you. And how I many you know you need a lot of shaping? Listen, if the, if the aim is the, is the image of Christ, we need a lot of shaping. And you need a lot of shaping. And wherever you see a deficit between you and Christ, just know that God's at work. And you may not always understand it. You may not always understand it. Just like we don't always understand you. Look at your neighbor again and say, man, you tripping all the time. You, you, you straight trip." You say you don't understand God, we don't understand you. Can I massage that a little bit more? A few weeks ago, I gave to you Isaiah 55, Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. Brothers and sisters, that's essential because you don't know how God's going to work it out. Doesn't mean we don't know the ways of God. It just means that we don't know how God's going to work it out. You know, you've heard people say God works in mysterious ways. 
And I, I, I grew up in a generation where they say, God works in ways you cannot see. Do, do you know that the Christian, when they got saved, you no longer live by circumstances. There is nothing serendipitous in your life. Everything has a purpose and being for what it is because God is shaping you. Anybody got a problem today? Thank God for it because he's shaping you. You got a situation going on? You got a, you got a necessity, a thing, a situation? Thank God for it because God's going to work in that to shape you into that image. Because what I'll tell you right now, to be shaped into the image of God, that's not an easy task. And for some of us, we're still that lump of clay. And I don't know about you, if you're like me, uh, the, the potters had to start all over again. And he just has to crush the whole vessel. Start all over again. And how many know today that sometimes the vessel is made into an honorable purpose? But how many know today that sometimes God works in ways you don't understand and that he makes the vessel something dishonorable? Everybody's cool when you're being honored. What about when you're being dishonored? Do you know that when you're being dishonored, it can produce the image of Christ? How many know today that Jesus was dishonored? And if Jesus was dishonored, guess what? You're going to be dishonored. And we've got problems with God over everything under the sun. And God is saying, this is how I form you. And you're not going to know how I do it and how I work it. I'm working in ways you cannot see. I'm working in situations that you just think is a situation, but it's actually my hand on a hard spot in your life. Yeah, I'm saying something today. Look at your neighbor and say, it's getting personal, all right. I should have stayed home and finished my turkey dressing because it's getting hot in the church. I just want you to know how personal it is with God. Because I, I want to get you out of the frame of mind that God doesn't make sense. And wherever you see God doesn't make sense, it's because you don't make no sense. Do you know how difficult it is to impress upon you the nature of God? Particularly when we're not walking in the Spirit of God and in the work of the Spirit of God in us. It gets tough. And I'm going to hear tell you, when it gets tough, God's tougher. God's not going to fold like a, like a lawn chair in your life. He's going to stand up in you. God doesn't quit. I want to go a little deeper. You want to go a little deeper with me? Mount Sinai is the place where we've been for weeks. This is the place where God of himself, our first experience of Mount Sinai, is God with Moses. Man, that place was on fire. This is a place where God showed up in all of his authority. And so much of the Bible says that Mount Sinai looked like a great furnace on fire. That the command of God was don't let anybody even touch his mouth. For if your foot even touch it, you die where you went. Die right where your foot would touch the mountain. You, you were consumed in the wrath of God. Elijah's on Mount Sinai. But there was one that went before him. His name is Moses. Moses, uh, to me, is uh, probably the greatest uh, uh, Old Testament character that, there, that you could even imagine. The, the Bible says 
that God of himself said, with, with, with prophets I speak in dreams of him, but not true with him. When I speak to Moses, I speak to him face to face. He hears my voice. I talk to him as a friend talks to a friend. You, you, you know, check out Moses. Moses says, Lord, I, I hear you're going to do all these things, but I'm not going unless you go. And in fact, I want to see you. Wow. Anybody ever want to see God? Be careful what you ask. Man, I was so, I was so, I was weeping in the lobby. Megan was singing the song of Isaiah in the sixth chapter of the book of Isaiah when he said, I saw the Lord. And Isaiah said, when I saw the Lord, he said, by the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And the Bible says that when I saw him, I said, woe is me. <sighs> woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell amongst the people with unclean lips. And you better be careful what you're asking. But Moses says, Lord, I want to see you. And there is a contrast between Elijah's vision and Moses' vision. Watch the contrast. He says, Lord, I want to see you. Uh, the Bible says that, 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 that God, speaking to Moses, was hearing the reply of Moses. And Mo Moses says this to God. He says, now, therefore, I pray thee that if I have found grace in thy sight. Watch what he says. Show me thy ways that I might know thee. That I might know that I have found grace in thy sight. You, you, you know we're in a church that really thinks they're walking in grace. Uh, you, you know, everywhere I go, every channel I turn to, every preacher I hear preaching, they're talking about grace, and rightfully so. But have you seen God yet? Listen, for everybody that, 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 that it personifies the idea of grace, brother and sister, are you walking in that? Because grace is the way of the Lord. So listen, listen, he goes, I pray, I pray. Now, therefore, I pray thee that if I have found grace in thy sight, show me thy ways that I may know thee. That I might know that I have found grace in you. And that this nation of Israel is thy people. The Bible says, Exodus 34, that's Exodus 33, 13. You got to memorize that. E Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7, the Bible says, watch this, check this out. And the Bible says that a cloud descended from heaven, the Shekinah glory of God. Oh, oh man, it's getting personal now. Oh God, help me. The Shekinah glory of God descended from heaven in that cloud. And the Bible says, and God stood right there with Moses. And the Bible says that the Lord passed by. Check this out. That the Lord passed by. Hear this. And proclaimed. The Lord God, listen, he proclaimed. The Lord God is, is announcing himself. You know, I'm a fan. Of, how many know that, that, that I don't know how you would introduce yourself? <laughs> I, I don't know if you're ever at a place where you needed an introduction. <laughs> But, 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 but I'm, I'm a fan. How, how, how many like wa watching Rocky movies? Ro Rocky, Ro Rocky movies. I, 
I grew up in the 80s, and so I, I like watching Rocky, right? So I'm, I'm kind of a tentative to that things. I remember things, and my wife will tell you that, you know, my kids and I, I don't know how we do it, but we'll, we'll remember sl just sloths of, 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 of language from movies, and we'll just recount stuff, and we just laugh about it. H how many remember the introduction of Apollo Creed in Rocky Four when he was fighting Ivan, Ivan Dragoff? Anybody remember the, the, the introduction? He's the dancing destroyer. This is how he was announced. The king of steam. The count of Monte Fisto. The prince of punch. The master of disaster. The one, the only, Apollo Greed. Y'all don't remember... Who, who remembered that? How many remember his introduction? I got a few people. That's the introduction of Apollo Creed. Uh, you, you know, that, that, that he was introduced, right? This is who he is. And the Lord passed by him and introduced himself. And the Lord said, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful. And gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Do I got to say it again? And the Lord, and the Lord God proclaimed, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, goodness, abundant in goodness and in truth, Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sins. And that will by no means clear the guilty because he's a righteous God. Just because I don't know how God is going to work it out doesn't mean that I don't know how he works. Do me this favor. Open your Bible. Psalms 103. I want to read something to you. This is my gift to you this morning. You've been saying, Lord, I, I need something. Lord, help me. Uh, deliver me. Uh, somebody's watching today by stream. Uh, uh, Father, I need a word. I, I've got a word for you. Psalms 103. 103. Just open your Bible there. Psalms 103. Uh, let me say to you something important about Jesus uh, do, do, do you know, do you know that the Bible says uh, that the deliberation of the people of the nation of Israel, when they saw Jesus, the way that they began to identify that this was a Messiah was that they said this. They said, they said when the Christ comes, when Christ comes, when the Messiah comes, shall he do more miracles than he does? I mean, they saw the works. There's a difference between knowing what God works and who he is. In fact, the Bible says that when Jesus, this is, this is John 2, that, that, that's John, St. John 7, and St. John 2, uh, one, of, one of the most beautiful passages in the Bible is found at the end of St. John 2. Uh, th th this is after the, the miracles that Jesus did in, in his first miracle of uh, the wine at, at, at the wedding party in Cana. Uh, when you get down to the end of St. John chapter 2, the last three verses are profound, uh, profound concerning the mind of Jesus. This is what it says. 
The Bible says, and when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed on his name. Watch this. When they saw the miracles he did. When they saw what he did, they said, oh, we believe. But you know what the Bible says? But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew what was in men. And he needed no one, nothing to testify of him. Because he knew what men was all about. He didn't need nobody to testify who he was. Because he knew what was in men. Brother and sister, you know the problem that we're having? Is we've got our minds, our, our, our thoughts, our eyes on the work of God rather than who God is. Your confusion about God is simply you're looking at what God is doing rather than who he is. Your reluctance in giving God complete control over your life is because you're not sure of the work yet. You don't know why God does what he does. See, once you figure out why God does what he does, you're going to give him full reign in your life. You're going to let God take over. And all your confusion and all your thoughts with God will evaporate under who he is. Do you know that who God is is the very nature of God? I am that I am. I'm always going to be what I have always been right now. Somebody say right now. But this is, this is the name of Yahweh. This is God. He's going to be who he's always been. I, I, but you, you're, in, you're, in, you're in Psalms 103, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something. So let me, let me just throw something at you. If, if, if my wife came to me, if first lady came to me, and she said, babe, I want you to do something for me, but I want you to say yes before I ask you. Anybody ever had, had somebody do that to you? Hey, listen, I want, I'm going to ask you something. But look, I want you to say yes before you hear what I'm about to ask you. Yeah, I got an O-O out there. I think that's Brother Jesse because, you know, maybe Sister Isabel threw that on him one time. And, you know, when that happens, when that happens, immediately you have to think, who's asking this question? They want me to say yes before I even know what the question is. If the first lady asked me that, I might giggle and laugh a little bit, but I, but, but I would probably say yes only because... I know that she would never ask me to do something that would violate my relationship with God, that would violate my relationship with her, or the person, the man who I've become. I could say yes, because I know who she is. I think y'all might have missed that. That, 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 that. That's important. That's, that's, that's why you haven't released yet. That, that, that's why you haven't just let it go. Listen, brother, since this is personal. And, and there's not one parent in here that knows that if you have more than one child, you don't treat each child the same. They learn differently. And how many know that even when you discipline, you got to discipline them differently? Oh, I'm talking to somebody. Uh, you know, you know with, with Daniel, I could threaten Daniel with the spanking. He never wanted to be spanked. 
Apples wasn't like that. But if I said, I'm going to take your phone, oh, man, listen. God isn't in the cookie cutter business, but he's in the molding business. And you need to get your eyes off what God is doing and how God is doing it. And you need to focus on who he is and why he does it. You in Psalms 103? I'll get my Bible over there. I can quote it. I just read it for you. I, I, <laughs> I'm reading this to help you. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. <laughs> That's Andre Crouch. <laughs> and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. How, how, how many right now... Whatever you're going through, can just say, bless the Lord. Uh, blessing God. You know, has anybody ever done some benevolence to you and you said, thank you. I want to say thank you for what, what you've done for me. Th this is how we just simply say to God, bless, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Uh, he's working benevolently in me. God bless you, Brother Jess. Just, uh, we just know that God is, is benevolent. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul and all that is in me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. And forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thy iniquities. Let me say it again. Who forgiveth all thy iniquities. Uh, you, you, you know what's sad about the churches? We don't understand what iniquity is. Iniquity was the evil that got you there. Sin is what you did when you got there. But iniquity is what brought you that way. It, it, it's all the stuff you did to get over to the place to do the nasty stuff you was doing. It's the stuff that you were thinking three months before you did the thing that you said you'd never do. Because Rome didn't fall in one day. You, you see, you didn't fall in one day. I know everybody was surprised when they heard that you did this, that, and the other. But, baby, you were thinking about that a long time ago. And the Spirit of God was trying to tell you, trying to change your mind. But you kept going that way. You see, that's what we call iniquity. God forgives you of even how you got there. Give your neighbor a high five and say, thank God. Thank God that he forgave me for how I even got over there. Man, that's rich, baby. That's rich. That's rich. All the stuff you was thinking about and things you let begin to begin to give thought process to and all the hatred that was going on in your heart long before you ever expressed it, long before the sin was manifested, you are already entrapped in your heart and in your mind. God said, I'm going to forgive you of even that. like a man who commits adultery and his wife finds that little love letter. She forgives him for the very words that he said. Oh man, I can go sit down on that one. Let me just go sit down. Your God is incredible. 
You're your God. You're God. You can't, you can't compare him to nothing. The Bible says that God throws, listen, your iniquities into a sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered against you. My friend, God has forgotten the very thing that you've been thinking about. My God is gracious. My God is merciful. My God is kind. My God is benevolent. My God is abundant in goodness. This is who he is, baby. This is who he is. This is who he is. My God's awesome. Not only does he forgive your iniquities, he heals all your diseases. If you get out of that medicine cabinet, you see how great God is. He redeems your life from destruction. Listen, do you know there are things, I just need to expound just a moment. Do you know there are things that God kept you from that you don't even know that God kept you from it? We, we downplay this all the time in our lives. Do, do you know that when, when the apostles asked Jesus to teach to pray, as John taught his disciples, when you pray, pray like this, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's a real prayer, brother and sister. That is bona fide protection if there ever was one. God redirected your path. God redirected your car. God redirected your mind. He kept you from falling into the snare of the fowler. He's kept you. God has kept you. God has kept you. Give your neighbor a high five and say, God kept you for sure. Think of all the evil going on around us. Think, think about, think, do, do, do you know how much evil is around you right now? You say, well, preacher, what's evil? Evil is anything that displeases God. Think about how much evil is going on around you. Think about just, just stop and think. Go, go to work and say, oh, yeah, a lot of evil up in here. Yeah. You might go home and say, there's a lot of evil up in here. Think about all the evil that's going on in your mind. Anybody ever get evil going on in your mind? I can put my hand up. There's evil all the time stirring in me. And anybody that didn't raise their hand, you are looking at the Antichrist. Because, brother and sister, you ought to know that there's evil going on in your life. Think about all the influences and things that are moving around, and God is keeping you from destruction. You, you, you should have been destroyed when you was five years old, man. You, you, you shouldn't have made it out of that place that you were in. You, you went into the drug house. You were intoxicated. You, you've been thinking all kinds of vile things, and yet God has kept you all this way. And here you sit in the house of the Lord under the protection of the Almighty. God has redeemed your life from destruction. He's redeemed you. He's kept you. Look at all the evil people try to do to you. You made it anyway. How many are glad you made it anyway? Go hug somebody and tell them, tell them, you made it anyway. Go hug somebody right now. They need to hear it. Go hug them and say, man, you made it anyway. You made it anyway. 
Listen, listen, you know what? Let, let me tell you what amazes me. Uh, 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 in fact, I'm going I'm to say it again. Get up right now from where you are and go hug somebody and tell them, and, and tell them man, you shouldn't have made it. <laughs> go, 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 everybody right now, get up and go hug somebody. If you see somebody, just, just go, go over there and grab them and say, man, you, you shouldn't have made it, but you made it anyway. For all you goody two-shoes in here, you shouldn't have made it. Man, I'm preaching. I'm preaching, preaching better than some of y'all are acting. You shouldn't have made it. You shouldn't have come out of that. You should have lost your mind. You should be full of hate and indifference. You should have lost your mind. God redeemed you from destruction. That's stuff you didn't even know about. There's, there, there's people God kept you from. Some of y'all were praying, oh, Lord, just, just give me a man. No, 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 no. You, you, you better be thankful that God didn't just send you anybody. I can go on and on and on about it, but listen, brother and sister, you've been redeemed. The Bible says he's crowned you. He, he's put a crown on you. I, I, I get so frustrated. People say, well, I can't wait to get to heaven to get my crown. I said, no, you've already been crowned. Well, 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 preacher, what have I been crowned with? Well, God's loving kindness and his tender mercies are on your head, given to you as a crown by God. You've already been crowned. You don't got to wait to get to heaven to get your crown on your head. God's already crowned you with what? Loving kindness, tender mercies. Who satisfied thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. My God is a righteous and just God. For the Lord executed the righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. Did you get that? you in verse 7. I said all of that to bring you right here. Uh, so that may, maybe you wouldn't turn out like Elijah turned out. You, you, you see, Elijah is, is, in the, is, in the, is in the how. I've got a lot of Christians that they're just always in the how. I can tell you all day, all things are possible if thou canst believe. I can tell you that all day. I can tell you that God's will will be done. But that doesn't mean nothing to you unless you know who he is and who's doing it and why he does what he does. There's a lot of people in the church, they don't want the will of God yet. Because they think if they get the will of God, they don't get what they want. Friend, you need a refresher in who you're serving. You need to know who it is that's working behind you. Who it is that's working in mysterious ways. Who it is that's working in your life. Once you gather that in, once you know who he is, you'll be able to let go. Because I'm here to tell you, even a man like Elijah, he was all about the how. 
There's a lot of believers today. I would probably say the majority of our church is in the how. You say, well, how do I know from the how? Because you're a complainer. Oh, man, here we go. I told you it was going to be personal. You, you know how I know that you're in the how? Because you complain too much. Because if you know who was behind it and who it is that's working through you to accomplish what he wants to do in you, you'd be saying, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. What are you complaining about? What are you complaining about? Uh, you, you, know, you know why you're complaining? You're complaining about yourself. Uh, you know why you're going through it? Because you got hard places. You're indifferent with God. The, car is, the clay is marred. You, you're collapsing under the pressure of the Almighty. You, you do know God's going to test you, right? You do know that God uses life to test you. Uh, you, you understand the potter's wheel is nothing more than an expression of life itself. The, the, the wheel as it turns, you know, I, I, back in the day, I've never seen it, but I, I, I heard that there was a soap opera called As the World Turns. See, the believer calls it As the Wheel Turns. You, you got a problem, As the Wheel Turns. You know, some of y'all may not know this, but when I went to school, uh, they, they wanted to give me a full ride in, in art, you know. I, I, I'm, I can draw, I can paint, I can sculpt, I could do all that. What I remember about, about clay was that I was in control of the speed of the wheel. You, you, you know, when the potter sits down at the wheel, there's a wheel in front of him. But what you don't see is his foot or her foot. You control the speed of the wheel. You turn it slow when you're trying to get to some intricate places, a little faster when you're trying to mold it quickly. You know, God has his foot on the wheel. And he spins me. Life comes at me, sometimes slow, sometimes fast. But his hand is on me. Hath not the potter power over the clay? Has not the potter power over the clay? Did not he tell the house of Israel, as, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand? I, 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 I'm, I'm spinning the wheel. I'm the one that tells you how fast it goes. Sometimes you've got to really put the speed on because some of y'all are way behind. And God's got to speed you up. You've been, he's had to crush you and make you crush you and make you crush you and make you. And you, you're 10 years late. So your wheel is spinning a little faster than others. If you've got a problem in your life and you've got lots of problems, it's because you're a trip, not God. Give your neighbor a high five and say, you're the trip, not God. You got all kinds of hard places in your life. God's working in you the way He works in you. He's working the way where He works in me. You've got your problem, I got my problem. You got your hard place, I got my hard place. And God's got to use different set of circumstances because we're all, you know, we're all individuals. And He has to discipline me different than He disciplines you. And God knows what's to take from me that if He took it from you, it wouldn't matter to you.
God knows what to touch in your life to get your attention. I'm talking to somebody. He knows exactly the thing to take away from you to get your attention back on God. And you better thank God that he took that thing to get your attention back on him because he had him, got your attention back on him. You would have been lost. The enemy would have had his way in you. You got to thank God that he took your spiritual cell phone. You got to be thankful that God took some people out of your life. You better be thankful that God changed your job. You better be thankful you're not making as much as you used to make. Oh, see, people don't want to hear that. We all talking about promotion. Sometimes demotion produces the promotion. Ah, oh, yeah, see, see, all you got, God, is going one way. You, listen, you don't know how God's going to work. I just know who he is that's working. See, see Moses, see, see, God said, listen, I'm not going to, you can't see me, Moses, because if you saw me, you'd surely die. But what I can show you is who I am. Because I'm going to let my goodness pass before you. So that wherever I take you, you know I'm going to be good. You, you, you know that my heart is for you, not against you. That you know that when I'm making a decision, I'm making it for your best interest. And I'm going to do it for you. It's his attribute, the character of God. That's why the new man, when the new man is formed, he doesn't get new emotions. He gets the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> Psalms 103. And I, I'm doing this. I, I know what I read to you. I'm getting to the text. And I, what time is it? Oh, man. All right. I guess the Cowboys play at three because nobody looks antsy or rushed. What time are they playing today? Oh, that's why y'all are like, yeah, you know, huh? -huh. Glory. Should have saw the church last Sunday. As soon as I said amen, man, there was like, like tumbleweeds out there in the foyer. Everybody was gone. Look, 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 look at David. Look at David. Look at David. Are, are you there in Psalms 103? I'm giving you a gift today. You know what I'm giving you? A gift of the knowledge of God so that you know who he is. Listen, whatever you're going through, don't take your eyes off Jesus. I don't know what you're going through. Don't look at your trouble. Look at Jesus. Tommy, you know what I'm talking about. Jesus, Peter walked on water until he took his eyes off Jesus. See, Peter was about the works. He didn't know Jesus yet. In fact, after the Lord's Supper, he says, and when you are converted. How many know you can walk with Jesus and not know who he is? Friend, what you need to know is who God is. So, so, so watch verse 7. Watch David. He's giving you this Psalms 103 because of Moses' desire to know God. He said, Lord, I want to know your ways, that I may know you. That I may know for, for sure that I found grace in thy sight. How many believe today that you found grace in God's sight? Everybody talks about grace, just so few people live in it. 
Everybody's talking about grace. Everybody, grace, 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 grace. I said, well, why do I hear this so much, but I don't see people walking in it? We like what grace produces. We might even take advantage of it in our sinful life. But grace is supposed to produce who God is. He says, he made known, catch this, his ways unto Moses. Did you catch that? He made known his ways unto Moses. Did you catch that? He, he made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. Look what David recounts. The Lord is merciful and gracious. You know, long-suffering, slow to anger. You heard it, keeping mercy. Keep, keeping, keeping mercy for thousands. He says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Now watch this. You've heard this before. For as the heavens is high above the earth. You heard that before, right? For as the heavens are high above the so are my thoughts than your thoughts, and my ways than your ways. David recounts it again. He says, as the heavens are high above the earth. Are you there, verse 11? So great is his mercy towards them that fear him. You, you, you see, Elijah was, was all about what God was doing rather than who he was. Uh, do you know that God is sometimes using you not for yourself but for somebody else? That I have to be able to trust that God is doing in me, working in me, speaking to me because God wants to do something in you. Oh, I'm talking about it. How many know that God's will sometimes doesn't serve your self-interest? And that God is doing things and working in ways and maneuvering things and has things going on such that you don't even understand the grandiose of the totality of the plan of God. You're just one little cog in that, one little purpose in that. Uh, God may be just calling you to say I love you or to do, to do a good thing. You're just one little piece in a giant plan and God wants to use you in that one little way. And this is what he was doing with Elijah. He said, Elijah, I didn't send you to destroy Ahab and Jezebel. Somebody else is going to do that. You're just one little piece. One little thing I'm asking you to do. I already know how Jezebel's going to go down. I, I already know what I'm going to do with kingship. I, I know what I have planned. And in fact, I'm about to replace you. You see, not everything about the will of God has to do with you. Not everything you're going to hear has everything to do with your pretty little family and your pretty little babies. Sometimes God will speak to you something that he wants to do and it has nothing to do with your interest but his interest because he's trying to reach somebody other than yourself. And brother and sister, listen, the will of God, the will of God, 
The will of God, this is what I know about the will of God, that everything in the will of God has everything to do with his provision, with who he is, with his kindness, with his love, with his mercy, with his purposes. And you know what? I say to the Lord every day when I go into prayer, Lord, I delight to do thy will because in your will is a word and somebody is delivered by that word. And when I speak that word, people are promoted and things are happening and you're working in others and you're elevating others and you're doing your work. And Father, I want to be a man. Ladies, I want to be a woman that delights to do your will. This, this, this story ends with the appointment of Heziel and Jehu. If you don't know who those guys are, go study them. God uses them to dispel of Ahab and Jezebel. Prophetically, God spoke that her flesh would be eaten by dogs. But God wasn't using Elijah for that. You got to know your part. God said, I want you to anoint Elijah. He's going to take your place. See, nobody wants to give up their seat. I'm going to let you in a little secret. Elijah's still alive. No, I'm not talking about the sweet by and by and the Beulah land. I'm talking about he's still alive. God's going to send him back in the last day. Both Elijah and Enoch will come as two witnesses back into Jerusalem. Guess what? Guess what Elijah's specialty is? Calling fire out of heaven. Brother and sister, he's going to do that. Friend, you don't know what God wants to do. Friend, you don't know the plans of God. You don't know the marvelous things that God wants to do in your life. And you know, recently, the Spirit of the Lord, you, you know, when I see some of you, you, you know, the Spirit of the Lord, it, it, I tell my wife this all the time. I said, babe, there's some people in the church, man, babe, if they ever begin to just embrace the will of God, how marvelous they are. They would be the difference, our church being what it is and being what God is calling it to be. If you could see yourself through God's will. That, 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 that if people begin to embrace their purpose in the Lord, rather than say, well, well, I want God's will to serve my interests. You know, I've got a job. I've got a family. I've got kids. i got things I want to do. i got a career. I've got this. i got that. Rather than just letting God take over. Say, God, use me any way you want to use me. Do with me whatever you want to do with me. I delight to do your will because I know if I get in your will, everyone around me is blessed. Friend, I'm here to tell you, mother and father, I'm here to tell you, if you don't do the will of God, you won't have a word for your children. The word that God will give you, not just for your life, but for the life of your children, is the promotion they need into spiritual things. Now, I know we make every investment everywhere else. And if you're like me, I give everything I had to my children. Even today, uh, if, if, if they need it, they can have it, even if I do without it. I don't even want to start with my grandson. I'll give him anything. But you know God? But you know God? What he's going to do in you, I'm talking spiritually. You know, parents, we've given our kids everything, right? I'm going to stop here. I'm finished. I, just want, to, I want you to hear this, and I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to pray because it's personal today. We've given our kids every single thing under the sun except the will of God. 
We've invested in their education. We've invested in their financial prosperity. You know, our kids no longer have to make any contribution to the home. They just live there, you know, talking about grace. They, they eat from our table. They, they get to go in the pantry and just eat whatever they want. They're encouraged in whatever career or pursuit they have. And we're right there encouraging them. Whatever they're doing. But you know what we haven't given them? A word yet. Where God would say, I want you to go get your child. I want you to anoint him into ministry. And I want you to tell them right here, right now, that this is what I'm going to do in their life. And you go do it because God sent you to do it. Do you know that somebody in your family right now, a friend, a co-worker, is just waiting on somebody to speak the will of God? To say, this is what God said, and this is when he told me, and this is what God's going to do in you. And friends, I'm here to tell you, we're going to have, we're going to, listen, we're either going to keep going through the bumps and bruises of life, or we're going to get on with the will of God. You know when God makes the most sense? When you're doing what he told you to do. You know when you're getting knocked around, getting bumps and bruises? is when you're walking outside of God's will for your life. Y'all ready? I told you it's going to be personal. Touch your neighbor and say, did you get it? For you. Come on, let's stand. It's personal. You, 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 you know what? Listen, I, I, I don't want to, this is what I don't want to do this morning. I, and I know time has slipped past us. And I know worship was extended today. And I know that they were... You know, the, the, the presence of the Lord was the primary act, right? We were wa wanting to invite the presence of God here. And I, I truly believed, uh, even in the foyer, I, I was discerning the Spirit of God. I, I was discerning Him. And He was here. And I came to this platform. I said, the greatest thing that's happened today is the presence of God is here.